And he says that that prince will enter in and will offer sacrifice. And when the prince, the prince, the prince, the prince, the prince offers the sacrifice, now, for as long as it's the Sabbath day and it's the day, the temple will remain open. Do you see that anywhere else? Okay. As long as it's on the day of rest, the temple doors will open. In other words, you will have access to that which was stopped. That which you could not do for the six days, now because there is a rest and the high priest has entered in and has offered a sacrifice, now, now until it is evening, you have access to the temple. Okay. As long as it is day, you have access to the temple. Jesus said, <laughs> let me minister as long as it is day. Okay. <laughs> so Jesus said that as long as it is day, let me minister. He was not talking about the day and night and he was ministering during the day only. No. There's a man who went to him at night and asked him, Master, how can I be born again? How can an old man like me with beards like this go back into my mother's womb and be... So we know that he was not talking about the physical day and night, but he was talking about a certain dispensation that as long as this dispensation is here, let me do the work of my father. Okay. The Bible tells us, take heed that you will not miss the rest of God. Do you see it coming? Take heed that you do not miss the rest of God. I pray that you understand me by the Spirit. I'm, I was here and I was really praying that God help me to be, help me to be simple. So as long as it is day, the Bible says, make sure that you enter into the rest of God. What's the rest of God? It's the Sabbath. That's why it's no longer significant the day that you worship. You can have a service on Friday. You can have a church service on Thursday. You can change Sunday to Tuesday. It doesn't matter because the dispensation we are in, it is called rest. And the Bible tells you to take heed that you enter into the rest of God. Because if you are not in the rest of God, then the temple is shut and therefore you have to work. So out there when the temple is shut, you do not have the privileges that come with it. On the day that the temple was open, people rested. People ate from that which they had labored off. If, if, if you grew up SDA or you have friends that are Kisi. And their seventh day, you discover that in those days, even I don't know how, how some of them take the shower. Because they are not, they are, you know, those who are stoned, they just enter the shower like this because you're not supposed to work. It's almost like that nobi imagine so that you don't work. It's a rest. Jesus had issues with the Pharisees because of rest. They said to him, why do you heal people on the Sabbath? On the Sabbath, they were not even supposed to heal. It was a rest. 
If you enter into the rest of God, the Bible says that God finished his work and he entered into the rest. And now, after he has finished his work, he's inviting us to enter into the rest. Tell your neighbor, enter into the rest of God. Turn to the other neighbor, tell them the rest of God is available for you. <laughs> now, the high priest already entered in. And the work of the high priest, he had a few responsibilities. But one of it was that he was the one mediating between God and the people of God. He carried the weight of the people. That's why the Bible tells us that he enters in and he gives a sacrifice. And after that sacrifice, now rest has been made available and the temple is now open. Are we together? Yeah, the Holy Spirit will help us. In small capsules, we break it down. Sindio? Amen. <laughs> Among his responsibilities were the welfare of people he represented before God. He mediated between man and God. And he represented man with his issues before God. And that's why the Bible says, therefore, we do not have a high priest who is out of touch with our situations. Talking about Jesus. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. In other words, in those days, even in those days, there were guys who could sing. Even in those days, there were women. Even in those days, there were men with biceps and Josephs and tonsilceps that create bass when they speak. Hello, baby. The Bible says that he was tempted in all ways, he went through everything. He went through everything. There is nothing new under the sun. So there was a different Snapchat back then. There had to be a different Facebook back then. There, there were ways in which stories were moving. There were celebrities in those days. There was wealth in those days. There were poor people in those days. There were thieves in those days. There were piraters in those days. Piracy. Isaiah the book of Isaiah. You know why the, the other books are not in the Bible? It's because Isaiah went and wrote the book of Isaiah. And then someone somewhere needed to make money. So he went and he wrote a book. And then he called himself Isaiah. So he's selling on behalf of prophet Isaiah. And that's why, so when you look at the writings, you're like, Apana, this guy, hey, this guy, this must be a lure. You understand? They are different from the other guy. So the, the, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted. We have a high priest who is not out of touch with our situation. The Bible tells us that Jesus is relevant. He's relevant with everything that, you, that is happening around you. I know sometimes you can meet a pastor and say, I don't know if you can understand my problem. The pastor might not understand, but the Bible tells that Jesus not only understands, but he has been there. And so he was trusted with the responsibility. <laughs> Praise Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus is our high priest. And Jesus went into the temple and he went into the temple and the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 verses 24. <laughs> it says that, 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 that he did not go into a temple built by man. So now we are describing that temple. He did not go into a temple built by man but he went to a temple. The high priest used to go into a temple 
But Jesus, being the high priest and all things were created by him and through him and for him, he went into a temple that was higher than that and he gave of himself. And so after he gave of himself, now the day has come. Okay. Because sorrow might last for the night, but joy comes in the... How many of you know joy already came? Jesus entered into the temple. He came down. The result of it was the salvation of men. And joy came in the morning. The Holy Spirit came in the morning. And so from there up to now, the evening has not yet come. Okay, a day in the eyes of God is like? So it's possible. <laughs> it is possible. I want you to just look at the possibility. It is possible. Uh, Ezekiel 47, if we move a chapter before that, after that. Thank you, Jesus. So according to John chapter 3, chapter, John chapter 3, I mean, third John chapter 1 verses 2, Jesus is our high priest and he desires that you may prosper. He says that I desire above all things that you may prosper even as your soul prospers. Now that's third John chapter 1 verses 2. I want you to write it down. We are going to read the rest and then we'll come back to it. But he says that I desire that you may prosper above all things. So it is God's will and God's desire that you may prosper. Yesterday I had a debate with some good friends of mine. We just met that day. And we were talking about prosperity. And I said if, if you do not, if you preach the gospel and only preach paying a price and going to Somalia and dying for the sake of the gospel and becoming poor for the sake of the gospel, you're preaching a half gospel. Because he became poor that you may become rich. It would be error for you to interpret that richness as spiritual richness. There's, it's not, there's spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, there's no spiritual richness. I am rich in the spirit. I've grown mature. No, it's a lie. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and so God desires that you may prosper. And I need to say that because as we begin to talk about thrive, so many things begin to come into our mind because of the things that we have been taught. Because now what we are doing is that we are undoing things in our head. Because we have been taught, do not want things for yourself. Be selfless. We have already been told that when we want to prosper, it's because of our own self. Which is another lie. We don't accumulate so that we can become. Though God has no problem with it. Job had donkeys that he never rode. So did Abraham. So God is not legal. Do you understand? So God has no issue. With you prospering so that you can see yourself that you have prospered. He has no issue with that. But you are a man, you are a woman under an assignment. And so anything that comes to you, whether in form of wisdom, spiritual gifts, 
or things that you can handle, things that you can use, money answereth all things, things that can answer all things. It is for the sake of that which he has called you to do. So as we begin to talk about thrive, thrive, one of the things that God had to do in me is that he had to undo, to undo things in my head. For me to believe that I can actually prosper, that God actually desires that I may thrive in everything that I do. Am I raising a child? Am I raising a church? Am I starting a business? Is it a marriage that you can walk under a prophetic action and things begin to happen to you that do not necessarily happen in your family? Ezekiel, that is, uh, Ezekiel 57. In fact, let me read it from my Bible so that I can... 47, 47. Ezekiel 47. Uh, sorry, Ezekiel 47. If you are there before the pastor, Mungu anakuona. Atakama ni calling unatafuta. Usitafute calling by kwaribia wengine. Don't make me look bad before my father. Now I found it so you can find it. <laughs> Let me, maybe I did not give you the background of Ezekiel 46 and Ezekiel 47. It comes at a time when there is literally no temple. The temple has been destroyed. The, the children of Israel, they have literally been destroyed. They have no temple. So the things that Ezekiel is prophesying, is seeing them in a vision. Really to encourage the children of Israel because there is nothing. You know, they used to gather around the temple. They used to gather around the Ark of the Covenant. And now all that has been destroyed because at some point they were rebellious and they did not hear God and those were the consequences of the things that came up. So they were attacked and everything was squandered. So Ezekiel is literally prophesying to even people who have been born and they've never seen what that temple looks like. Do you hear what I'm saying? They've never, they do not know what that thing looks like. And Ezekiel is prophesying to them. So I want us to come from that level where we are not seeing it, but then we begin to see it. So Ezekiel begins to speak of his encounter. He says, afterwards, he brought me again unto the door of the house and behold waters issued out from under the threshold of the house east words again the same word east words now that word temple some of your bibles calls it that word house some of your bibles calls it temple because it was a temple so it says that this man the lord took him took him from the temple and put him towards the east of this temple under the threshold of the house eastwards forefront of the house stood towards the east and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar so the water came where from where uh -huh. Of what? From the right side of the what? Of the temple of the altar. So the water came from the altar. So he has been taken and he has been east. Niwapi? Niuku? Kundo isiliko? You know that South Sea is not South, eh? 
So, so it's been taken and there's water coming from the other side but there in the temple and that water is coming from the altar and the water begins to flow from the altar. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward and let me about the way without unto the outer gates by the way that looked eastwards. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. So it was on the eastwards and water ran on the right side. Okay? And yeah, this is the, one of the reasons why people don't read such books. By the time you're in the right side, left, what's due, water, you just say, ah, what's on the rook and the other scriptures come up, Proverbs. But today we will wrestle with it. Are you following? Are you following? Or should we get a simpler version? Eh? We can get a simpler version. Anyone with an NIV or any other simpler version? Okay, let me try get a simpler version here. ISV. Okay. Let me read from verse 1. So just follow. I want you to follow me because it's, it's very important. This is... Um, a very this a simplified version ISV. It says, After this, he brought me back to the doorway to the temple. To my amazement, there was water flowing out towards the east. So the water was going towards the east from beneath the threshold of the temple. The temple faced eastward. So the temple was facing eastward, and the water was flowing through the east. Hello, East Africans. You're blessed. The temple faced eastward. The water flowed down from beneath the right side of the temple. That is, from the south facing, uh, from the south facing side where the altar was located. Then he brought me out through the north gateway and around to the north outside that faces towards the east. So he brings him out through the north, but still the position is a constant east. Okay. You jot it somewhere in your mind. Okay. To my amazement, water was trickling out from that part of the south too. As the man went out towards the east, he carried a measuring lane in his hand. He measured out a thousand cubits as he led me through water that was ankle deep. This is the ankle. So the man took him out and now began to measure the water. And that feat is um, Ebe, Ebu stand. Just do like this, your arm. <laughs> Straighten it like this. Just like this. No, yeah, like, like this, yes. It's like a base arm from here to here. Do you hear what I'm saying? So a thousand of that, it's okay, you can sit down. And so he measured, the Bible says he measured, and when he measured a thousand, the water came up to the hill. Uncle. Okay? Are you following? <laughs> then he measured out a thousand cubits 
where he led me through waters that was knee deep, and then he measured out another 1,000 cubits where the measure was waist deep. So anendelea. This is the water that is coming from the temple and is flowing towards the east. As they are moving, he is continuing to measure. So the second measure in Afikaapa, a thousand cubits. The Bible says, When he had measured out another thousand cubits, the water had become deep enough that I wasn't able to fold it. Instead, I would have had to swim through it. Then he was bringing me back along the river bank. He asked me, son of man, did you see all this? Now that's the simplified version. The KJV says, that's, that's verse 5. Let me read verse 5 to you. Afterward he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass over for the waters were risen, waters to swim in. A river that could not be passed over. In other words, the third category, the third place, it was now you could not swim over it. It was not deep end. It was the end. And they began to walk in this place. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, keep in mind the high priest that already went and it's already day. And now there's no temple, but Ezekiel is speaking of a temple that has already been erected and out of it is flowing waters. And these waters are flowing towards the east. I want you to know that even if you do not believe in the prophetic, the fact that you are born in East Africa, I'm very sorry for you because you are in a prophetic time. You are in a prophetic season. <laughs> you are in a prophetic season. And unless these things start making sense to you, you might live out your entire life and leave out some certain things from your entire life. So the Bible says, mm, are we together? Verse 6. And he said unto me, son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Mm-hmm. Now when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and on the other side. Then said he unto me, these waters issue out towards the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. There was a sea, there's still a sea in Israel, it is called the Dead Sea. Everything that enters there literally cannot move. You cannot drown, it's the worst place to try and commit suicide because you will not die, you will not drown. Okay? It is also dirty. And it's because of the things that it carries that makes it dead. And then it, it's at the end of the world. Literally, it's like the deepest place that you can ever be. Like, world in Akwanga, Google is my friend. It's good to be honest. And the Bible says that everything that was on the road of that water that was flowing from the temple of God 
from the altar was healed. In other words, that water which was salty no longer becomes salty, it becomes healed. No wonder the prophet of God was able to turn bitter waters into sweet waters. Do you hear what I'm saying? Then now he begins to say that water was flowing through the desert, but as it was going, the trees that were alongside it began to grow. And he noticed when they had come back from the brink, to the brink of the river, that as he could see, he saw trees on this side and trees on that side. The way they were measuring, the deeper they were going, the more the things around the water that was coming from the pulpit were thriving. Okay. <laughs> Shall we continue reading? Then said he unto me, these waters issue out towards the east country, east country, east country, I receive it in Jesus' name, and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithsoever the river shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish because these waters shall be here too for they shall be healed and everything that shall live in the river cometh. And it shall come to pass that the fishes shall stand upon it from and guard and it begins to talk about all these places. So he is saying that it shall come to pass that wherever this river that is coming from the altar will go and will touch, it shall live. All of a sudden, that place was not conducive for fishes to live, but now fishes are living. The land next to it was a desert, but because there was a river from the altar, uh -huh, now the trees are beginning to grow. And do you know the trees that he's talking about? It is the cedar tree. And it is the palm tree. Praise Jesus. Let me read for you a scripture here. You can write it down. You don't need to turn to it. Let me read for you a scripture here. Ye calibrato solo brandasha. Robando zelabrato. Where are you? I'm looking for the scripture. I'm looking for the scripture. I'm looking for the scripture. Rata solo brande zelabrato solo banda. Let me read for you a scripture here. The Bible says in Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel. 17 verses 24. Listen to what it says. Then all the trees of the field will know that I am the Lord. I bring down the tall trees and make the low trees tall. I cause the green trees to wither and make the withered tree thrive. Do you hear that? He's the one who says in Isaiah that I will cause the rivers to flow in the desert places. 
In other words, it is, not, it is a time of, this is a miracle, this is a supernatural occurrence. This is a time and a season where God has decided to open the floodgate from the altar. And as long as that floodgate is passing by your neighborhood, things around you and around your neighborhood begins to thrive, begins to grow. Because it is God that causes trees that are small to become bigger. He is the one that uproots those trees that are bigger. And the Bible constantly talks about two trees. As we might see, it talks about the cedar and the, and the, and the, and the palm tree. Why? Because the palm tree is a symbol of, of victory. Did you know that? The Romans, if you would fight people and have victory, they would give you the leaves for the palm tree. And the palm tree grows very big and you can see it. And the cedar tree was the tree that they used. Even there are some countries, if you Google today, they have banned the use of the cedar tree because they're trying to preserve them. Because the roofs that are made from them do not leak for years. And so God is talking about certain things about our life. But I do not want you to lose focus of that river that flows from the altar. In this year, do you hear me? There will be certain things that will be prophesied and pronounced. There are certain things that you will come across in your secret place that will water gardens that you did not even know exist. Will bring into fruition promises that you, didn't, you could not even remember. Prophetic words that have been long gone, dead, you don't even think about them. Things that disappointed you. In that place where you meet with God, because he has opened the altar and he's saying that now I am focusing it east, eastwards. This forced me today to look at the meaning of Kenya. And, and there's two thoughts. Some of them say it comes from a Kirinyaga word. Some of them from a Kamba word. Some of them. But there is one that I really loved. It says that Kenya is, is a conjunction of languages that mean the resting place of God. Literally there are, there are theories that, 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 that the garden of Eden was either on the side of Kenya somewhere. Have you seen it? Or Ethiopia or South Sudan. They say it's around there. You've seen it? Eh, what Google to Kwapa Wengi. And because of that, I wanted to see the significance of the east side. That is why we are, there's been prophecies that we are the ones, we, we are a prophetic country. That will bring revival to the nation. That's why it's so hard to gather people in Kenya. Because the devil knows the moment we enter into it. You see, Rwanda, you can gather people that have been through war. They know who God is to them. Kenya, we are learned and exposed. And we have opinions. And we have our rights. And we know our rights. And we don't fear anyone. The Pope has come to Kenya, Obama has come to Kenya. Who are you? Do you understand? That is the kind of a country. And look at our generation. It's even getting more worse. We have parliamentarians who are young. They go and insult the president. Why? Because we have a mind of our own. And the devil has made it like that for a specific reason. Because the moment we understand our prophetic space, the rest of Africa will be liberated. You might not like him. Baba Aguambo. He went to the Supreme Court. Do you know it was spoken about in Africa? 
as a result in Congo there's a contested election and in a country that has known civil war where you can pick up arms and other president will fully support you the guy chose to go to court ah, you don't know what you're saying do you hear what I'm saying can, can you see it there's a specific place that Kenya has been called and yesterday we were talking about the prophetic and we said two things about the prophetic. We said the two dispensations of the prophetic. Number one is ex exclusion as exclusive inclusive. And the second one was inclusive exclusive. So exclusive in the sense that in those days God calls men, individuals, exclusively. It was not everyone. Not everyone could come and say, I'm a prophet. You would be stoned. You would die. If you prophesy, and then she doesn't give her life to Jesus. That's it. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. And so men were called. And this man, they encountered burning bush. Then their call was not for themselves to teach them a lesson. It was for the children of Israel and for us. That's why Hosea, I said it, married a hoe <laughs> because the children of Israel were prostituting. Do you hear what I'm saying? But in the new covenant it says that let desire spiritual gifts and above all desire that you may prophesy. So it is now an exclusive call and at the end of it it will be exclusive because it will determine it will be determined by your positioning. And that means your work with God. Do you hear what I'm saying? So Kenya has been called specifically for Africa and for the world. The world should know what wealth is by you and I. Yesterday I was crossing the road as I was coming back home at night. We were from preaching at that place. And I was going to border my tattoo. And on, as I was just in the middle, I remembered how my mom passed away at Kenyatta Hospital. Then I remembered a vow that I made and I said to myself, I must buy this. You know, instead of complaining to the doctors because of many things that happened, that I could have sued them. Do you hear me? But I stood there and I said, one day I will walk here and I will buy this hospital. And then I will determine how it's run. The world needs to know what wealth is. They need to know what positioning is, what revival is. They need to see it from us. And so East Africa is blessed. I want to believe Kenya is blessed. <laughs> so the Bible says that, in fact, if you read... Um, I'll read this and then we'll, because of our time, we'll begin to pray. Um, so there's few things that we need to look at in this story of Ezekiel. Number one, the source of that water. Then the flow of that water. Then the effect of the flow of that water. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's water that is coming. So Ezekiel has been brought to a place. There was no temple. There's no temple. But he's prophesying to them that a time is coming that there will be a temple. And the waters will begin to flow from that altar. And as the waters flow from that altar, everything that that water will come across will thrive. It will grow. It will literally move through a desert place. <laughs> Let me bring it in our language. If that river is flowing in you, 
then literally today you can start selling. Give me this thing. Give me the, 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 the pen. Sorry. The pen. Yes, thank you. You can literally start a business of selling this thing alone. And because there's rivers flowing your way, God will create a demand. Not the pen. This thing. This is the God that, 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 that sent the man of God to prophesy. The people were dying. Women were eating their children. And he sent the man of God to prophesy. And he said, by this time tomorrow, the economy will be thriving. And they thought this prophet is a lie, is a joke. How can this happen? I mean, it takes... Man, these people are telling me that the prosperity, the work of the United States now is as a result of what Obama did. And I was saying it took Obama all those years and it took Trump one and a half years. But that's a debate for another day. We love debating when we are playing PlayStation. But, but, but listen, it takes years for an economy to develop. But because God spoke a word, it only took five lepers. People were rejected, who were alone outside the camp. And as they were moving towards the camp of the enemy, the Lord magnified their footsteps. And those people heard sounds of people and they said to themselves, let us run. And they ran. And because of that one simple act, the economy of Israel was reinstated. I'm telling you that if you understand where the source is and how it flows and the effects of it and you begin walking in that understanding, next time we will not meet here. We will meet somewhere else in a stadium because all of a sudden we have people who we, we, we they are not even part of the ushering team but they've decided, you know what, I'll buy, uh, I'll pay seven buses, I'll buy seven buses, let us go to the slum. And they'll be carrying people and taking them to the places of altar, places where they can go and find worship, places where they can go and have encounters. You'd be ministering to Hindus, to Buddhists, to devil worshippers, to whoever those people are. They'll be coming and saying, why is this thing working for you? But it's because the river is flowing. When the river flows, the desert has to apply. It has to come to its senses and say, yes, this is it. Now, now, very quick, if you go to, to, to Genesis, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis, is it chapter 4? Let me see if it's chapter 4 or chapter 7. Genesis, Genesis, Genesis. I'm looking at the place where they were removed from the temple. From the temple, from the place of God. Now listen. So God, Adam and Eve, they have sinned. Wamekula matunda, waliambiwa, wasikule. Mechukua kwa mti wakauma. So God comes and says, this man is disobedient and man has sinned against me. So he says, as a consequence, I have to remove you from rest. He was, he was placed in the garden of Eden. He was not given a djembe. He did not have a tractor. There was no Google to tell him the fertilizers to use. We are not given an account that he tested to find out ukundio pamambo greats zinameanga. Na ukundio mandizi zinameanga. 
There was nothing like that. He was at a place where everything that he needed was there. He never even needed revelation or a prophecy or a prophetic word or encouragement. Why? Because he had entered into the rest of God. And so God says we have to remove him from the rest. And look at this, chapter 3, verses 24. Let me read from verse 23. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the, which side? <laughs> of the garden of Eden, cherubim and flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. It is no coincidence that Ezekiel is taken through the east gate. Then he comes out and God takes him back to the north side. Then he turns him facing the east. Because it is from the east that the cherubim were placed. And now from the east they began to rotate but their headquarters is to the east. Which means that if you try to enter through the north you would find the east. Their responsibility was to guard the east. So everywhere they went, the east went with them. <laughs> but I praise God. Because the high priest entered in, gave a sacrifice, then now took Ezekiel and told him, this is now I want you to see. I have opened the east. That's why we are no longer fighting to discover where the Garden of Eden is. It's no longer relevant. Because I will not pray towards it so that I can get salvation. My garden of Eden has come in the form of Jesus and it's called rest. And he's saying that now if you begin to align yourself with the altar, then these waters will begin to flow. Because out of you flows the rivers of living water. And that rivers of living water, it's a location within you that if you begin to understand it and allow it to come out, then everything around you will begin to thrive. Come on, clap for Jesus. So the source is Jesus. He is the high priest. He is the reason we could have an altar. You cannot have an altar without a sacrifice. In case you are thinking, I will ask you for sacrificial giving. If you want, you can bring. I will not refuse. But listen to me. He already went in, into a temple that is not made by man. Just like the one Ezekiel was being taken into. And in that temple, he stood there and he gave of himself. And as a result, the east gateway was now open for you. So that rivers can flow now from that burning altar through you. So that if you move to the left, it's not just by your side, but it's thriving by your side. If you move to the east, it's not just by your side, it's thriving by your side. In other words, there's now you are under prophetic action that is constantly 24-7 around you. Prosperity is not something you gain, it's something you understand. You have it. It's always been in you. 
He is telling you, take heed that you may enter rest. How can you enter? It's not a physical place. It's a revelation that opens and you understand, wow, I'm in the rest of God. I'm in the rest of God. So what do I do if I'm in the rest of God? You speak and it happens. You speak and it happens. You speak and it happens. You speak and it is done. You speak and it is done. Because when the world was held together by the word of God, now the word of God has to respond to its mother because honor your father and mother that your days may be long. And the mother is the word. And God established it. So that now, today, right now, it's about evening. Let me, this is a free prophetic word. This is word of knowledge. It is free, fresh from heaven. Today, God has not told darkness to come. He has not told the moon to appear. Tomorrow, he will not tell the sun to appear. Do you know why? His word is established. <laughs> it is rest. It is rest. What is his word over your life concerning you? You have to begin to value word, the word of God. And let me give you an idea of where you start from. Because even me, God rebukes me sometimes. Your words have to be your bound. Because how then will you keep the prophetic word accountable? And how will you keep God accountable? So it is the small things that we do that now begins to create for us that place where now you know when God says this, he is not a man that he should lie. He will not lie. He will not lie. If this river flowed through Abraham, who is the father of grace, and Abraham at 90 or whatever years he had, they conceived. <laughs> Sarai laughed, but she still conceived. Even her disbelief could not stop God. <laughs> because when you are planted, it does not matter. Rivers make way. Rivers make way. One of my auntie who I've never heard from again, she went abroad. And uh, she sent me some shoes which I really treasured. And I did not want to grow because of those shoes. And there was a time El Nino came. And I was living in Mukuru. And I remember it was like a joke. Before we knew it, the water was somewhere up here and I could not even swim. And finally, after two days, Nini, the water came down. You just get whatever it is that came by. So you just get the one that was left there and you begin to use it. One of the things that I mourned was that shoe because one shoe left and the other shoe remained with me. I kept it for years. I even think it's still there up to date at my dad's. Hear what I'm saying? Because the river, you will move out. Eh? Watch at I let you could direct every river. You can direct river. It makes sense. But when it decides, I will maintain this road, there's nothing you can do. And that's what I'm saying. There's a place you can live in that even unbelief. Because what is unbelief? For the mature, unbelief is just logic. It's not really that you don't believe, it's just that you see logic. <laughs> 
It's just that you see logic. Someone told me yesterday, you know, when you prophesy to someone and you say you will be wealthy, you know, um, sometimes they don't work because I'm like, oh wait, first of all, you're assuming they will not work, but that's okay. But then they said to me, when you prophesy to someone like that, you know, it is not right, do what, what, what is it? And I was like, listen. <laughs> There's something about the prophetic word. There's something about the flow of God. And you cannot say, because they were saying that then now, you need to teach principles instead of telling someone that you will prosper. So I need to come and teach you how you will prosper. Then ask him, what are these principles? He says, principles work hard. I'm like, no! The Bible says, he that works that which is given to him is known as salary wage. But he that does not work, that which he gets is now grace. So what does this mean? You can try to do something to sell something and God can take it beyond your abilities. The Bible says they will live in houses they did not build. Literally, you are walking in South Sea, then you decide, you just feel like, let me go to Nyari, or let me go to Runda. Then you go to Runda, and someone walks out, and they're like, hey, excuse me, is your name Omosh? Oh my God, do you know I have suffered, I have looked for you on social media. This is your house. There is no deeper revelation in that scripture. Just says you will live in houses. You did not build. South Africa is a clear example of it. The white man built everything. Then they inherited. And now they're telling us, look at our infrastructure. <laughs> then we know. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> we have to undo a lot of things for us to come into that place. Very quick. Um, let me have someone on the keyboard so that I don't stay here for long. Psalms 92 verses 13. I have... Three or four things that I want to remind us of in order for us to live a life of thrivity. I don't know the word. I don't know how to call it. But in order for us to thrive. <laughs> in order for us to thrive. Number one, number one, this thing must happen to you. You must be planted. You must be planted. You must be planted. Someone open for me the book of Psalms 92, verses 13. Psalms 92, 13. Psalms 92, 13. Psalms 92, 13. Is someone there? What does it say? And it's good to see you. Uh -huh. Can you read the previous uh, so that it gives people the, the, the context? Mm -hmm. Even glowed makes sense. So the Russians, the Russians, who is the Russians? Who is the Russians? If you are born again, you are the Russians. You are the righteousness of God. And it says that the righteousness of God, who is you, shall flourish. My version says thrive. Uh -huh. Like palm trees. Unajua palm trees ni gani? Ushenda coast. 
ile wale watu wanapandanga kifua tupu na kashoti mti amnazi you will flourish like the palm tree do you know the palm tree wherever you turn you will see it you can tell if you are in the coast if you've ever been to the coast to go and of course if you ever been there to go and look for land or anything you discover you can see palm trees from as far as the fifth sixth even seventh estate in terms of the land so the bible says the rashes shall flourish shall thrive like the palm tree that is your portion in jesus name uh-huh now you don't just thrive like that you also grow with capacity and quality hey the cedar tree do you know the bible accounts for the cedar trees that were used during its time okay if you read the old covenant you will hear and he sent so and so and they carried cedar trees from lebanon they used to come from lebanon and some people believe that lebanon is the current is the is the former garden of eden so that's why the first one i said is theory even this one is theory but that place would flourish with that kind of a tree okay uh huh They are like trees planted not just anywhere but in the house of God. What would happen if you'd plant anything in the house of God? Come on. It flourishes, come on. It thrives, come on. It has quality, it has life in it. It's growing in the presence of God, so it's growing under terms that are divine. Okay, let's start it this way. I've said this before and I'll say it. Adam was never a teenager. That's a revelation. <laughs> Adam never went through adolescence. Adam was created a mature man. So when God said let there be, they did not just grow six years. No, he planted a garden. So if you are planted in the house of God, there should be no time because time is logic. They tell you I struggle like this and this is how I became a billionaire. How many chickens do you have? To, do you have that time? To sell for you to become a billionaire. But I'm telling you that God can do it. Do you hear what I'm saying? He became poor that you may become rich. Not that you may learn how to grow wealthy. But that you may become rich. His becoming was your becoming. He did not grow poor. He became poor. Pa! Poor. So that you can pa. Because when you are planted in the house of God, the laws are different, the rules are different. And if you're thinking logical, then now that unbelief. There are some believers that you should not marry. 
Because they are atheist believers. They are unbelieving believers. So that scripture does not only talk about wale watu wajaokoka, it also talks about can two walk together unless they agree. Can two walk together unless they agree. If you have a business partner that does not see the place for grace, chances are so high that you will struggle in that business. If you in your own mind cannot make up your mind and know that God, I want you to do this for me. My business can become the biggest brand in the world. I mean, stop comparing yourself to Coca-Cola and Facebook. Those are nothing. The one that is telling you about this is the one that became famous without billboards, without television. He's the one that fed people until they came back the next day and he told them, no, we cannot continue this because his aim was not to start a feeding program. It is so much so that I can say something here very interesting. 